We're in, the, in a series called The Signs of Jesus. If you get your Bible, go to the Gospel of John. We're going to be reading out of that together in chapter 6 in just a moment. We've been looking at, out of this series through the Gospel of John, we went through and found the places where Jesus did a sign, did a miracle. And so we're trying to figure out what does that mean about who Jesus is and was, but what does it mean for us as in our day? Who is Jesus in our day? And what should we expect? In the first session, we found out that everything conforms to the will of Jesus, who was the, that everything that was created was created through him. And we saw some examples of that when uh, we talked about Jesus being the logos, that word, behind the cosmos, behind creation. Everything came through Jesus. We also said that the molecules of his creation when he was on planet Earth, conform to his will. Remember when he walked on the water and the water held him up. Remember when he was at Cana at the wedding and he turned common water into uh, expensive wine in celebration of that wedding. Everything is under the control of the Lord. The moment of his will, it conforms to his will. That's how powerful the God that we serve. Today we're gonna look at the story of uh, Five loaves, small, uh, probably more like dinner roll type uh, pieces of bread and two dried fish. What the Lord does in that story today, we'll get to see how provision in his hand is always more than enough. Personally, for those who follow him, for the church who tries to do our best to get, figure out how do we influence a community and a neighborhood how do we, how can we afford to do those things? Well, I'm gonna show you today, the scripture's gonna show you today how that's accomplished. And it's not by our will or our ability to necessarily think it through. Session two, uh, we found out that Jesus has all power to heal disease, physical damage, birth defects, demonic possession, and infirmities. We looked at his healing last week and we saw that, that the Lord in each of those situations because Jesus did not create cancer, God did not create the diseases, that was all a part of the sin fall that happened under Adam and Eve. Everything broke on that day and since that, since that day forward, all of this brokenness that we experience uh, I mean, even this morning, I've heard it two or three times of new cancer situations, new sicknesses going on, new diseases, new, new problems. That's a part of the sin-broken world in which we live. But I'm telling you, the Lord wants to show himself strong on your behalf, and not just for you. He wants to, uh, we can pray for healing. And we, it's not about us, and it's not about what we do, but it's about his word that says to ask the elders of the church to anoint you with oil and pray in faith. And it says the prayer prayed in faith that the Lord releases healing, that the sick person will be well. If, they're, if they've sinned, it will be, they will be forgiven. That's James that said that. So we've seen a couple of the signs of Jesus, and today I wanna look at the, the third sign. Have you found John yet, chapter six? I wanna read the first 15 verses. 
Sometime later, after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, and that is uh, the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, I find it interesting that he asked this question, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And it says he asked him only to test him. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. I like that. Jesus already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, eight months wages wouldn't buy enough bread for each one to have a, a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon, Peter's brothers, spoke up. Here's a boy with, a, with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There were, was plenty of grass in that place and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them, of men. And Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, distributed it to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did this, the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left, left over those who, by who had eaten. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come to make him king by force, he withdrew again into a mountain by himself. Lord, we ask you on this day to take this section of scripture and Lord, our heart's desire is that we hear from you and that you would speak the words of life to us. Lord, I pray that whatever our level of faith, our trust, our belief in you and your word is, right this moment, we're gonna ask you, Lord, to increase it. I pray, God, that you would grow within us a great spirit of faith and trust. If you say it and it's your character that we believe it and we stand on it and we take action based upon what you've done. So give us faith and let it increase. Bless your word in Jesus' name, amen. How are we, who are so few, able to meet the need of the many that are around us that are in need? How is it even possible what we can do it? First thing I want you to write down in your notes is bring what you have to Jesus. John chapter six, verse five says, when Jesus looked up and saw this big crowd, coming toward him. Do you understand that it says 5,000 men? If you gave each one a wife and one child, we're talking at least 15,000 people at this little gathering. That's a little intimidating thought uh, for that many folks to be coming around because they had already heard and have seen the things that Jesus was doing everywhere he went. He was becoming a bit of a spectacle at this time. And they were following him, wanting to hear, wanting to see what he was gonna do next. 15,000 and potentially more people were there that day. So it's kind of a big deal when he looked up and saw and he asked Philip, have you ever thought, why would he ask Philip? What are we gonna do? This, we're, at a, we're at a meal time and this thing's just getting started. Philip, what in the world are we gonna do? 
Have you ever said that? What in the world are we going to do? The bills are overwhelming. The challenge before the church is just massive. What are we going to do? How are we going to eat this elephant? How are we going to take this big thing coming and actually deal with it? What are we going to do? Because Jesus asked Philip that, what, you know, Philip, look at this. What are we going to do? These guys are going to be hungry in a minute and they're going to get mean. Call it hangry. Hungry and angry all at the same time. I've got that quite often. Well, they said, here's a little boy. And he's got these five barley loaves and two small fish. And they're asking the question, but that's nothing. What's, that's not going to take care of the need that's coming. Have you ever noticed this? I, I watched it kind of often, thought through the scriptures this week. When God desires to do something big, he usually reaches for somebody small. Have you thought of that? When God is about to do something big, he doesn't go for the big and the famous and the powerful. He goes for that little boy nobody knew who didn't have much. God goes for the small just to demonstrate his power. In that, I want you to take this concept with me, if you will. In that two little fish, probably something like that dried, and five little loaves of bread, consider that a seed a seed to be planted. Just assume, pretend you have a few seeds in your hand this morning and just kind of keep them there for a moment. You take one of those seeds, watch this, and it's kind of interesting. Let's say you take a, a brown seed. You take a brown seed and you plant it into black dirt and it dies. Out of that seed springs forth a new life, kind of a light green that shoots up and then as it grows, it gets to becomes a dark green plant. And on that plant, let's say it grows uh, a fruit that is red. And then in, if you take a bite or cut that red fruit, fruit, it's white, a reddish. How can a brown seed that goes into black dirt produce something red on the outside and white on the inside? In, inside, in the seed of something is the power for what I'm wanting us to get a hold of this morning. When a single kernel of corn is planted, you guys that grow gardens, Freeman does a bunch of them, and you put a kernel of corn in the ground, same story, has to die and sprites up, then it gets to this a stalk about this tall, usually a couple of ears on it. So one piece of seed on one plant will grow to several hundred other seeds. The seed is a very important and powerful concept in the life of Scripture. I want you to get this down. There is a strong faith that there will be a harvest if there is a seed. There will be a strong faith, a belief in us that we're going to see a massive harvest if we have a seed to plant. If we don't have a seed to plant, you can sit on your front porch and pray all day long that we're going to get a great harvest of souls, it's not going to happen until that seed that you have gets planted in the ground. Then there's hope. Then there's faith in the resurrection of that dead seed into a new life that will produce much. A seed, if you're making notes, write this down. A seed is most important for a belief in a harvest. It's an important principle. A seed is most important for a belief in a harvest. And that's, that's a principle, basic principle of Scripture. It is one of the spiritual 
uh, principles of the kingdom of God that you, if you have a seed and you plant it appropriately in the right places, from that moment on, your faith must go high as you expect a work of God from that seed going to death to life and fruit production. And so it's a big concept. I want you to get it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 11, listen, a God kingdom principle. This is what I'm talking about. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. If you don't plant very much, you're not gonna get very much. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. It's up to us. Do you want to have a sparse kind of life? A sparse kind of purpose? A sparse kind of influence? Well, just plant, just don't plant much. And then you'll get what you expect. If you wish to be something where your life, when you come to the end of it and you look back on it, you're gonna be able to see like crops and crops and crops and crops, then you plant with that expectation. How, this is how this principle works. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly and not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound in you so that in all things at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. That's the principle and the promise. Giving becomes joyful. When you know that every time you you get to plant a good seed in some good soil, when you know the principle, and you keep your thinking, because I'm a preacher, I'm talking about money. Well, money's a part of it, but that's just a small part of it. I'm talking about if you're investing, you see a, a person that has some incredible giftings and talents of God that's, that's baby, it's young, it's not really formed yet, but you see that? I was in a church once that had a, a, little, a young girl, I'm, I'm guessing 15, 16-ish, and uh, she had an incredible uh, uh, so, uh, voice and played a, a, an old guitar, and on a particular Sunday morning, the church, uh, we just said, we'd like to invest in this. On that morning, that church got up and started bringing resources to that little girl, and had $3,000 when they were done, and we were able to give that little girl, say, go get you a really good guitar. And that little girl is still now a pretty powerful worship girl coming on the scenes. Uh, But I just, when you see it, and on that day, if you gave, some people gave a dollar, some may have given a thousand, I don't know. But they, we were just planting seed because that looked like good soil. You know what I'm saying? There's great potential there. And if I get to put a, a little bit of into that, I get to stand back and watch this harvest that's coming. We have seed, and we can choose what to do with it. It can be great or little. You know what stops it, right? Fear and stinginess. I'm afraid to, or I'm just, I don't wanna, I wanna save that dollar or whatever. But when you begin to catch the concept of seed, like the little boy in the lows, my my thought was, I wonder what he was thinking when they took his food. But when you begin to catch this in your mind, you begin to understand, if I speak a word of life, you're planting a seed. 
If I serve them, like the community that's coming up Friday, I believe, if you go there and you just meet people and love on them, hug on them, just say, bless them, invest in that community, say, what can we best do? I'd like to hear you ask this question several times to people. What could Hamlin, because we built that new building right across the street from you, what could we best do for you in this neighborhood? And then just listen, and then we'll figure out if that opens the doors because we believe God gave us this opportunity to go on Friday night. We didn't set it up. They did it. They invited us. How often does that happen? I think it's pretty amazing. So catch this. Seed is your abundance, which is above your need. Seed, because when you're a farmer, you know, in our day, we just go to Walmart or the farm store to get our seed for the next year, but that's not how it always was. When you would harvest a crop, you would take the first 10% of that crop and keep it into your, into your storage shed because you were gonna use that seed next season to plant, right? So the seed here is not the money that you need for everyday survival or whatever. It's the overabundance that you are to hold and have it. Uh, my pastor friend, Pastor Hosey, he calls it left pocket money. He says, if you, you know, on a special day, we'll take an offering for something. He says, if you got some left pocket money, take it out and meet this need. If you have a bank, I have a, one of the elder friends of mine at a previous church, he has a whole bank account that's set up and he calls it seed. So if a need comes up, he just pulls out of that bank account and just sows. And by the way, he's getting wealthy. Not the, I don't know if that's the case, but it's just everything he touches is, is blessed because he is a seed planter, generously a planter. Notice, bread is just your provision. And if you see in this passage, it says God wants to increase your supply of seed. God's desire is that you, your seeds, your stock to be able to invest it is God's desire that you have it and have it abundantly. So I want to ask you, you know, if we're living like most of the folks on the planet where we're about this far from being underwater, we have to raise up to get a little breath because of debt, debt in our life and living above our means, just using finances as an issue. If you live at this level, do you understand you have nothing to give? You have nothing to plant because all of your resources are being used to, to meet uh, your needs or your wants. But it gives you no freedom. And if you know what it's like, it's almost like you're, you're suffocating. God, that is not God's plan, honestly, for you. Matter of fact, if that's where you are, I really think you need to get into the Financial Peace University starting at the first Wednesday of, of September. He brings up a process of how do you train to or discipline your money to do that right. Without the planting of a spiritual seed, there can be no belief in a spiritual harvest. Do you guys want to see greater things happen through this church? Do you guys want to see greater things happen through this church? Would you like to see more people in an altar receiving Christ as their Savior? Would you like to see families coming back together and being restored? Would you like to see wayward children being brought back into a home to be nurtured and encouraged? Do you want to see the kingdom of God influencing this broken world? If you do, we've got to plant some seed. Bring your tithe. How much? The first 10%, just like the farmer. 
You put it in the storehouse. The storehouse, we, in our day, we bring it into the church, but that's the seed to be planted for the next harvest. So we bring the tenth, which is the Lord's, which is the farmer's, to keep so that when it comes to planting season, we have a reserve to where we can take it and meet the needs of those that are around us. If we don't have that, as a church, it begins to be weak and stifled and living like this. I've been there. I've been in churches like that. It is not God's plan. It is not his design. Somewhere man has gotten in the midst of that and messed it up. And it's probably the preacher. At least where I've been. Because I probably was the preacher. To not plant the tithe personally is to not expect God's open window of blessing in harvest. We get the choice of that. When Vicky and I would, each of our kids would get to that, getting ready to move out stage, we got one more we're praying that would happen sometime. <clears throat> we love him. But always have that meeting at the kitchen table. All right, you're out on your own. Here's, what you get. Here's your money. How are we going to deal with it? We do that counsel just like Dave Ramsey you know, take the first 10%, set it aside as seed for the, bring it to the Lord. It's not yours. You can keep it if you want. He'll let you, but that's his seed, and you're not planting. So just don't expect him to have that, the blessing of open, of an open window blessing over you. I said, if you don't do anything else, do that, because then I know God is going to pour out on you blessing, because I believe it fully. Vicki and I have raised five kids in many years in ministry, it was twenty twenty five thousand dollars a year, probably. There's no way you raise a family of five children on that kind of money. You just don't do it. But we have never, from day one ever, have our kids ever been without. With I mean, I mean, not even just survive. I'm talking about needs and wants and greater things. You know why? Not because of us, but it's because of the God's promise. We just were faithful to that. Had an old Disciple now guy sitting in a motel parking lot. I don't know if you'll remember it. And that's what he told us. We were young and he was old. And he says, here's what I want to tell you to do. Do this. Don't ever miss this. And you'll find God faithful. We tried that out from that time on. And uh, the Lord has never, never let us down. Plant your spiritual story. That's a seed you're around folks a whole bunch of folks plant into their life what God has done in you what he's doing for you plant a seed if you're not going to plant a seed into a lost person what God has done for you you can't expect a harvest from that person I went with the Millers last night too what's the name of it Keith Freeway and I told Keith at the end I was sitting there and I knew it was one of those times there's there's a black guy young guy Good-looking, black guy, good dreadlocks back here. And I was in trouble because the Lord put him on my eyes. I couldn't, during that entire last part and that last invitation, I couldn't do anything because I just kept my eyes on him. I said, Lord, what are you doing? What do you want me to say? And I, I didn't know. I said, I'm not going to go there unless you tell me what to say. And then I I told Keith, I said, I got to go visit with a guy. And I went down, and he's kind of on the front row. And I, just, I watched him the whole time. He's very stoic. And as a matter of fact, his jaw muscles were really tight. I could tell he's really struggling. 
And I just said, okay, here's the deal. You don't know me, and I know this is weird, but let me just say, God has sent me here to tell you today, you are called out from your group, out from your tribe, to be a type of Moses. You're to be a person that leads your, many of your people out of levels of bondage. And I said, I don't know why, but I know the Spirit of God is on you. I just left it. Again, I walked over and sat, stood on the front during invitation, and I looked back a minute, I mean, tears were pouring down his face. I went back over and I said, is there anything we can do? And he said, I just need to get Jesus in my life. I need to get saved tonight. I said, you can right now. You want to? Yeah, let's go. And so I was seeing this. I was a little intimidated by this kid. But I knew the spirit of the Lord says, you got to go do something. You got to go plant a seed. I honestly didn't expect a harvest immediately there. But I looked over and that seed went to work really fast. It wasn't just me. Pastor taught. There's some powerful testimony planted that night. But that kid was ready. And he said, pray that I can be faithful to what the Lord has told you about me. I thought, that's pretty amazing. Bring your free time. We're not all working 24 hours a day, and we don't have to watch Oprah all the time. We have some free time. Bring it, use it, invest it in the kingdom. If you're planting it, there's going to be a harvest Bring your talents. This little boy didn't have much. He brought what he had, yes? What do you say often? Oh, I can't do that. I'm not very good. I'm, I'm too old. They can't use me. I'm telling you, adult, adult five, you're not, you guys have said this is the last chance class. I want to tell you, I think you're probably the, the, the frontline class that has the responsibility of training and equipping and encouraging and building up this body. Please don't hang up your whatever you hang up and quit you can't maybe do all the physical things you used to do I don't care we just need your wisdom we need your counsel we need your vision we need that kind of strength behind us wherever we go and do you notice what happens at the end of this they went around and gathered all that was left how much was left 12 baskets I don't know what he did with it he probably gave it to that little boy to take that home to mama, see what she says. God's provision is never just enough, but it is dependent upon seed. Remember that seed that's in your hand? Had you imagine it? What seed is in your hand that you've been hoarding or holding back because of fear or selfishness or greed? What is it? I don't know what it is. You know what it is between you and God. What is the seed that is not being put in the ground? And if it's still in your hand, you can guarantee there will not be a harvest in that area for you or in the ministry you want to see fruitful. Because it's just a principle of the kingdom. He never breaks that principle. If you want to see something happen, you see a weakness area, uh, nine months ago, there were four to six kids in our children's ministry. Nine months ago. You know what happened? You all invested, do this. You brought in Ann to, to lead us. All of these faithful workers over there working with them, and you got to see in nine months what that turned into. That seed, that's becoming a harvest. Yes? If there's an area within the body of Christ or the ministry of the church that's weak, 
that you see, instead of complain about it, and I don't hear any complaining, and that's a weird, you're just weird people, but I love it. I do, because I don't hear anything. Um, and it's not that I do la, 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 when you talk to me about it. I just don't hear you saying it. But what I do want you to know is what you could do is just go invest in that area. Go take some of that you got, just invest in it. That needs some work over there. We'll go work there a little bit. That needs some vision. We'll go plant a little vision there. Well, I don't even know if they want me there. Well, take your seed and secretly plant it in there about them. Because when we plant seed, we can expect a harvest. If we don't plant, you can't expect a harvest. I would like to, on this day, and I'm not gonna get, that's just like one third and I'm way over time, so I'm not gonna go, I'll get to rest of the message some other day. But I'm gonna ask you to take the seed that's in your hand. It's the overabundance. I'm gonna ask you, what is it? I don't know. Time, money. Some of you are the greatest administrative people on the planet and you could help us get really smart, better, and equipped in areas. Some of you are financial people, do money. Some of you are leadership type. You could step in and take something which is weak and become strong. Or you might be the little boy that nobody even knows you're here, but we just saw one day you had some fish in your purse. It doesn't matter. When God does something big, he goes for little people. And that's me. I'm thankful for that. Little people. I really don't like you tall people. And I tell kids, I love you until you get my, taller than me. And from that point on, I'm not going to talk to you. And that's when they're 12. That's when they're taller than me. God loves the little and the weak to show his strength. My question to you today, what's in your hand? Would you ask him, Lord, what seed's in my hand? And then you can say, you can give him all the reasons that you want why it can't work. Like Jesus said to Philip, how in the world are we gonna feed this? You're gonna have all kinds of questions, doubts, and impossibilities. And that's not what Jesus said. What do, I, what do you have? What do you have in your hand? Now, if you'll just invest that, watch what I'll do. Can I ask you what's in your hand? It's probably gonna be different for a whole bunch of different folks. But I just wanna ask you, what are you gonna do with it? Would you like to live your life expecting a harvest or live your life with a big bank account with seed in it? What a waste to have stored our seed when we could have been investing it to advance the kingdom of God. Lord, uh, this is your word. I'm gonna ask you today, Lord, that uh, whatever's in our hand, that seed, we get to make a decision. Will we plant it or will we keep it? I'm gonna open the altars because some of you may need to take some seed and you may need to lay it on an altar and say, Lord, it's yours. I will, I will do this. I will obey this. Like that young man last night, I said to the Lord several times, I am an old, bald-headed guy talking to a young black man. That's just probably not gonna work. And I just kept, I said, Lord, and he wouldn't, I couldn't even take my eyes off him because I knew he was speaking to me. If you have that, know that you know I'm just going to ask you to take action, whatever that is.
and let the Lord have his way in this house because we know his word is never going out void. It's going to do a work. So Lord, have your way with us now as we respond in Jesus' name.